My wife and I have been going through a lot of artifacts that have been a signpost to uh, the presence of our parents uh, while um, uh, my, my father who's passed away and her mother and her father passed away and they're just little reminders that are, are symbols that don't really mean much uh, but they're things like um, little gifts that they gave us along the way that as we look at them we're reminded of, uh, of our life together with them. And uh, the thought occurred to me this week that one of my best memories that I had with my own father was whenever I was a kid we used to sit together in the chair his uh, lazy boy chair and we'd watch westerns and the thing about uh, growing up in the late 60s early 70s uh, it was pretty much any show you could watch any kind of show that you wanted to as long as it was a western so our our bonding experience uh, centered on uh, characteristics of uh, of the, of, the, of the classic western movie uh, with actors like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and others that probably ring a bell with some of you. And the thing that I always remember is it was, it was so formulaic but so true that invariably at the end of, near the end of the, uh, the storyline, the plot would unfold that one of the main protagonists would invariably in a shootout get shot in the chest. And he would kind of stumble around and you know, he'd be holding his chest and everybody would be like, I can't believe they shot that guy. And pretty soon, uh, he just falls onto the ground. And invariably, another, another protagonist, another good guy would come in and he would say, uh, in, in, in the guy's last dying breath, you know, just hold on, hold on. And as he was just gasping uh, to, um, to, to, in, the, in those final moments, there would always be a statement or something said that would be essential and critical uh, for the, the ongoing shift in the plot line for the better. There was always a critical piece of information that was offered and usually it would be offered in such a way that hardly the last word of the sentence would get out before they would expire. You guys remember that? Okay. And uh, because of the significance of that phrase, um, it was like, if there's anything that I could say that needs to be said in this moment, am I dying for your benefit, it's this. And the reality is, when Jesus was here on earth and he anticipated that uh, the end was quickly drawing to a close, he knew that if he uh, said the right things in the right way, that it would be a game changer for the people that would remain. And he was very concerned that the legacy that he had created in his three years here on earth as, a, as, a, as, as the Messiah, um, that, that, that in the course of that ministry, it all culminated in an expression that would allow them to continue on in the work that they were called to do, to be uh, a people that are of such a small minority, but yet powerfully becoming something uh, that would change the world. And the words that he offered in John chapters 15 through 17 uh, profoundly affected the minds and hearts of the disciples. And, and what we're going to be doing this, uh, uh, in, in the next few weeks is we're going to be looking at the impact of uh, the fruit of that 
those statements as they play themselves out in your life and mine. And in John chapter 15, Jesus was concerned in the environment of, 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 of all things, uh, grapes being cultivated in, in a vineyard. He was expressing to them with all that imagery some very powerful things. And the thing that he didn't want them to do was to, was to, was to very quickly start to languish in their trust in God and their trust in the things that Jesus said and eventually die. And I think that concern is, is perennial. It's for all of us. We have this desire to be strong in the Lord, but there are times in our lives when we feel like I'm not so strong. Uh, matter of fact, I, I feel like I'm the one languishing or I'm feeling like the words of Jesus just aren't soaking in like they need to soak in so that I can have the life that I would like to have. And uh, I, I think if you just look at the surroundings that Jesus said these words in, in John chapter 15, you'll notice that um, he just takes a lot of the characteristics of being in the vineyard and he embeds, embeds them into the message. And I just want to read um, uh, John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 right now. Here Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that really is Jesus' concern, is how can we, how, how can he continue on the legacy of what he started in the lives of these people so that they can be strong and they can be fruitful and they can find in everything that they do an expression of God's glory. And in turn, people see that and act on that. So how do we go from dying on the vine to thriving on the vine? And that's what I'd like to explore. And the thing that I'd like to do is just uh, bring your attention to um, the, um, the, the experience of a person who uh, lives in the southern part of the state of Ohio. And his, 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 his whole second half of life was centered uh, not on his mechanical engineering experience, but upon the relationship that he would have with the vineyard. Because it had always been the, um, the, the dream of this uh, Eastern European immigrant to one day settle in the United States and to start a thriving uh, vineyard where he could, he could develop his own wine business. And uh, this person, just right around uh, north of Cincinnati, um, had, uh, had, 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 had began the process of establishing uh, what would be uh, a very robust 
vineyard. And I, I want to describe some of the details of, um, of, of this gentleman. His name was Kreso Mikovic. And whenever he began the process of, of wine, of, 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 of wine making, um, he said, in the first year I had 60 vines. And in the second year, uh, he planted more and 160 of them died. And he was looking at the reasons why what started out to be a thriving business ended up being something that was tanking. And he looked at the, he looked at the climate and he looked at the grapes that he had. And he said, for some reason, the environment and the, the grapes that are growing in this environment, they're, they're not thriving. And he discovered a few things, and that was that the roots for the type of grapes that he had um, under those conditions um, were, were, not, were, were not embedding themselves in, in, in the ground very well. And he discovered that, interestingly enough, um, he had to create a, a process of irrigation because the roots actually, if they did not, if they had an overabundance of water, or not irrigation, a process of drainage rather. If the, if the, if the roots did not uh, go down deeply, uh, that his crop would not thrive like it needed to. And so the water actually needed to be drawn away uh, in the location that he was at because it seemed like he was getting more rain than he actually needed. And the roots needed to dig down deep to look for water in order for that to happen. And he also recognized that uh, whenever the soil and the water management was done appropriately, that all he needed at that point were just three things. The soil, the sun, and the actual winemaker, the person who was responsible for making the grapes thrived. And as he was going and walking through the, the vineyard every day, um, uh, one time um, a person asked him uh, uh, and said, you know, I noticed that uh, you take the time every day to just walk through the vineyard and inspect the grapes. And his response was, when I'm walking through the vineyard, I'm, I'm talking to each of the grapevines. And I'm just interacting with them. And I'm relating to them. And a person asked him, what was the most important thing that would act as fertilizer for, uh, for the vines? And he said, it would be the shadow of the winemaker. And in that, he was saying that no matter what you did to create the environment, if I wasn't present... Talking to, the, talking to the grapes, training up uh, the branches, pruning away all of those things that were draining excess energy from the vine so that it, would, so it wouldn't thrive properly. If my relationship with the vine wasn't there, this vineyard wouldn't be what it was. And he said, in year three, after I discovered this, I went from having a whole bunch of dead vines to having 500 thriving vines. And then in year four, I had 2,500 thriving vines. And then in year five, I had 10,000 thriving vines on, an, on a three-acre plot. And as a result, um, he, would, he, would, uh, he would yield at the end of the process 10 tons of fruit in that three-acre development. And that was the dream that he had. But the thing that we have to carefully note is that uh, typical of anyone who is in that business, it's understandable that there has to be a lot of interaction between the vines and, 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 the, and the vine dresser himself.
And what Jesus wanted to do for you and I was to point out that we can't go it alone in our faith. We can't just come to church and expect to worship and then find that God's presence will be thriving in our lives throughout the remainder of the six days. There is this process that uh, Jesus said we need to pay attention to. And the thing that I think we need to point out is that if we look at the process carefully, we can go from dying to thriving on the vine. And the first step that we have to do is to consider the three vital relationships that are critical for thriving on the vine. And in the first one, it's simply this. He says a word in the course of these eight verses, and he says it some more in the course of the whole discourse. And it's the word that some versions of the Bible uh, describe as abiding. But in this particular translation, it's remaining. Either way, it's Jesus' way of saying, you have to stay connected in me. You have to remain in me. And if you're a new believer and you're thinking, I'm saved and I'm beginning to process what it means to follow God and perhaps I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible, but I'm not really sure what it means to remain in God. And I would say that if you look at the vine dresser for a minute, uh, you could see that his interaction made all the difference. And maybe from his example, we discover some things. If he's going through the vineyards every day and he's talking to the plants, it's his way. And I don't know how plants listen. Matter of fact, I'm not uh, even sure I know how people listen sometimes. But uh, because of we, we have uh, varying degrees of deafness in my own house, uh, things are, are heard very clearly whenever uh, they're with an earshot clear across the house. If they have bearing on a person, but if they are not interesting or they're causing one person's will to override another person's will, you know, like can you do the dishes, stuff like that, uh, it's amazing how... How, how the inability to hear sets in. And what God wants us to do is just hear his word. And part of remaining in God is just recognizing that his word is that life-giving expression to us. It is a book. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's printed in the pages of a book in a way that we could look at it as any other book on the shelf. But you know when you begin to read the words that are in the Bible, they just start to do something in our hearts because there's something that resonates in us that says this is the source of everything that I need to thrive. I need to hear those words and when I hear them I know that it changes me and it helps me to stay close to him. And perhaps when the winemaker says the best fertilizer is the winemaker's shadow, it means that there is time that is being spent with God that enables us to find that life. Because the life that we have, as he says, remain in me. And if we're just the, 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 the grapes and the branches, as he describes, on, on the, uh, we're actually the branches in, in this metaphor, on, on the vine, we have to stay connected. We're connected to uh, 
basically the, the more essential parts that go down into the ground that bring from the ground all the nourishment and everything that is so critical. We can't, as branches in and of themselves, produce the fruit that needs to be produced. So what God is telling us in this particular passage is that we have to keep that close connection with him because our lives are sourced in him. And the second thing that we find with, um, with, with the vine maker is because there's a relationship involved in there and when you look at the branches, they're all sort of intermingled. And we see that in a sense, um, in verse 5, when we read, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I, will, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. And it's a dramatic statement about the fruit-bearing quality of any believer. And, and I don't know about you, but when I read these words, uh, they, they seem kind of severe. There is a sense that staying connected is critical, but what happens whenever you are disconnected, you begin to wither and you begin to die. And some people would say, well, this is just a form of judgment. And it could be, but it's self-inflicted. It's a way of saying, I once invited God into my world and it was all good. But then I began to sort of move away from God. And eventually what happens is, the more we disconnect from God, the more we're just dying on the vine. The more the life-giving source begins to, to, to really drain away from us. And the more we become really essentially dead. And I think one of the best ways for a person... To regain life and vitality isn't just centered on intimacy with God, but it is also community with people that we're surrounded by. And each of those branches that are tied together and that are trained in a certain way are doing this act of fruit bearing together. And the vine, the vine maker is orchestrating all of, all of these connections that are happening. Branches with each other, the fruit that comes out of it, and the overall vineyard. And in, when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, he means us. We, the branches, collectively, together. And there is a nourishing power in that. You know, I think one of the best ways for a person to stay connected in the church is by having friends. By having people that outside of the worship gathering, you connect with, you relate to, you find in those relationships the words of encouragement that come in a timely way. You find in those relationships um, that, that sense of joy that you can't find from other people. And how many of you have ever been depressed and then someone calls you and then the sheer presence of their voice on the phone line begins to change what's happening inside of you. You start to feel kind of elevated. You start to feel all of a sudden you, you, there's, a, there's, there's a joy that begins to emerge and you start to see life from a, a broader view. And it's, it's like when you make that connection with somebody, it is a life-giving 
quality. And it's been pretty cool this last uh, go-around with our groups. And it's the same thing that I know many experience in Sunday school. And that is when people started gathering, at first they were, they were questioning whether or not meeting, you know, sometime in the evening apart from a regular church gathering would make any difference. But as they met and as the stories began to unfold and people began to experience uh, the storylines of other people's lives, uh, one common theme began to emerge. And that is your experience is not really a whole lot different than my experience. And I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one who was going through this. And the, the groups that I've been a part of, it's been amazing how when people begin to experience that, how they open up and how they actually begin to trust that because that person shared some of the stuff they have going on and in the smaller environment, I I get to know these people in a more intimate way, I can also share some of the things I have going on. And what's so cool about it is people aren't saying, did you hear what someone said in the group, Uh, blah, blah, blah. But rather, everyone knows that when their defenses go down a little bit and they begin to process some of the deeper layers that they're experiencing, and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily go too deep, but deep enough where even at that level, you know there are people who've been through what you've been through. Or there are people who are going through a similar thing in their own lives. And all of a sudden, you feel connected to those people. And we did surveys on our groups after we finished up. And the thing that we asked was, you know, was this very helpful? Was it helpful to get to know other people? Was it helpful in your walk with God? Was it helpful just in, 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 in a few key areas of your life? And, and without exception, um, uh, they were either skewing mostly very helpful or there were some people that said pretty helpful. And, uh, and I think some people don't want to be extreme in their expressions, but I think the outcome is everyone said, I'm a little surprised at how well this went and how much it made a difference in my life. And I'm honestly glad I went through that experience. And, and many people are looking forward to it ramping up again. In the, in, in the, at the turn of the year, we're going to do uh, long-term groups that are, are, are lasting in the duration of about 18 months. And what happens in the course of that is just an amazing thing. The branches are all together. They're all reinforcing each other. They are all watching out for each other. They are protecting each other. The branches are doing something that we can't do on our own. Now, some of us might think, I can, I can have intimacy with God, you know, on my own. I can read the Bible. I can pray. I can do those things. But what Jesus is saying here is, sure, you can do that, but it's not really enough. In order to be fruitful, you have to be mixed with other branches. And the process of doing this together is the most effective process that God can, can work in to create the fruit that is needed. And that, that leads to the... To the um, uh, to, to the last point, and that is simply this. When Jesus is giving these, these final words, um, he's concerned about the impact that the three years that he's had here on earth, the people that he's connected with in the course of that time, the believers that became disciples, and the influence that, that they're going to have on the community, he's concerned that that message will continue. And 
the influence with outsiders, I think, is, is perhaps the one thing that is sort of the end game in these, in these eight verses. And that is, we show ourselves to be disciples. The fruit of our relationship with him begins to bear fruit in the world around us. And in verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And if we go back to our, our, um, our, our, our vine dress, or chrysos, it says that he, he trains every one of the vines in, in, the, uh, in the interview that was given. And it was basically a, a directional thing where the, the vines need to go in a certain place in order to be the most fruitful. They need to be um, uh, trained in a way that... The, the optimal effect would happen. And the Apostle Paul actually riffed on that just a little bit whenever he wrote a letter to Timothy. And he said, you know, we have to train ourselves in godliness. And, and essentially, what he's saying isn't just we have, we have a lot of disciplines to do, but rather as we remain in Christ and we consistently honor that by, by worshiping on, on a weekly basis, by being in community with other people, and God working through that mix of people and through himself, remaining in him, what happens is there, there, there's fruit that emerges. And it isn't stuff that we just do on our own. It really is the byproduct of the conditions being what they need to be in order to produce what needs to be produced. And that is the fruit. And that really is the whole reason why I've just set this up. Because the reality is you and I are very far away from that moment. But yet somehow the effects of that moment have come into our world. When the Apostle Paul started writing about this, he said, I also want to take that word fruit and now I want to show what it looks like whenever it comes out of a person's life because they are remaining in Christ. They're having a close intimacy with God and their connection with each other is healthy. And the healthiest connections are the connections that bear the, 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 the fruit of, 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 the, of, the, of the health of the, of the quality of those connections, if I could put it that way. And, it, and it's simply this. When Paul said, you know, against, you guys are trying to work your way through your faith, saying, I'm going to earn my way into my relationship with God. But you don't have to do that because grace has already taken care of that. And the outflowing of grace in your life is my presence in your life, the Holy Spirit empowering you through life, and you remaining in me. And when you remain in me, out of your life will flow. All of the vital things that are the result of that connection out of your life will flow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know how I know when I'm close to God or how I can tell when you guys are close to God? When I see these things coming out. When I see those qualities emerge in your conversation, when I see that that's how maybe you talk about each other or you speak with each other, when I see 
in myself or in our behavior within the community, those qualities emerge, I know that you are remaining and that you are abiding in Christ as we're supposed to. But you know what else I know? Is when the things that come out of us that show that we are disconnected, when we're bitter, when we're grumbling, when we're jealous, when we want what other people have, when we're discontent, when we're living in a sense of despair and hopelessness, when, when, when we're just overshadowed by all those inclinations that well up within us, that are from within and without, that, that are so dark and so ugly. I know that when those things are happening, we're not in a good place. We're not hanging close to the vine dresser. We're not perhaps being trained the way we need to be trained. And I know there, the breakdown is in one of two areas. It could be that we're not spending enough time with the Lord in our own personal lives. You know, talking to Him through the course of the day. Taking His Word and reading it and consuming it and allowing it to shape us. And even if we're doing that we can still get it wrong because we may be saying, I like all this God and me stuff, but I know when I'm around other people, it's a different story. And when God says, when you're around other people, if you stay connected to me, your relationship with other people will be what it needs to be. Out of your mouth and into your life will flow the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., But you know what else I know? Is that when we're around people, we will be tested to either show the ugliness that we we have inside of us whenever we're not connected, or to show the grace-filled speech and life that emerges when we are. And the reason that Jesus said this was so important, if I could just show the verse again uh, in in, in verse 8. Um, it, it is, this is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When a person looks at you and I, who does not know God, and they know that we know God, the very first question that they have in their mind is, does the behavior that I see in your life, reflect the God you worship? In their mind, the answer will always be yes. If this is the type of behavior that you have, then this must be the type of God that you worship. Which honestly is a very scary thing because we are called to represent God here on earth. We're called to be like an angled mirror where the glory of God shines through our lives out to other people. And the more the fruit of the Spirit characterizes our lives, the more people will see God at work in our lives. They'll truly see the image of the vine dresser at work in us because we are so close to Him. And isn't it wonderful when you encounter people that have, in any circumstance, circumstances that are trying, circumstances that are testing, circumstances that are frustrating, circumstances that are tempting or challenging, that at every turn, that person shows a response that is characterized by love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you see that, you're like, I'm seeing where that person is going through. I'm seeing what they're challenged by. I'm seeing how they're responded. And I'm seeing a power at work in their lives that I've never seen before. And you know what that makes people wonder? If what you have isn't the real deal. If what you have isn't the thing that they've been looking for this whole time. My guess is when you are remaining in Christ and you have that intimacy with God and you're embedded in a community of believers that are reinforcing that in your lives, chances are your life will have a magnetic effect on any person that's open to hearing about what God is doing in your life. And that really is the goal. I honestly believe the church is in existence today because a lot of people honored this process and they remained in Christ. And the fruit of their lives was so compelling in the lives of the people that were searching that they were drawn into that. Jesus said, You know, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And it may possibly mean that when he's on the cross, people see that and they're drawn to the forgiveness. But it also may mean that if Jesus is lifted up in our lives, if he's elevated, if he has a status in our lives that says we honor him in all things, my guess is that that also will draw all people to us. Now, in the next few weeks, I just want to look at how that fruit can flow into our lives as we remain in Christ and then flow out into the lives of people around us. And I think it'll make all the difference in the world for us to begin to connect uh, with him in a fresh way. And perhaps if you're ready to be a part of a group, connect with other people in a fresh way that it pulls you into that relationship so that you're strong in him. At the end of our worship service, if you want to be a part of a, of a group, it's only going to last eight weeks. We have it for, for men and for women and for married couples. And uh, if you've been a part of, the, of, of, of any of the groups, you know um, how uh, beneficial it's been just to take that time and to draw close to God through our relationship with one another. And it really is the basis for the strength of our church when we're connected to each other and we're connected to God in a healthy way. And so at the conclusion of our message and our time, if you want to go into the studio right next door and, 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 and speak to Brittany about signing up, um, then, then that would be awesome. She made the, um, the sign-ups available online as well, so if you need to get there. She had, she had no more than, 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 than launched... Uh, the site making it live and 30 seconds later we already had somebody signing up. So I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, but uh, that's just God orchestrating things. And he may, be, he may be speaking to you right now saying you need to try this so that we can, we can get closer and, and you, can, you can get into a, a closer relationship with each other.